Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. This is episode 23 of our Bible study, Life-Changing Connection. And this is our walk through various scriptures through Lent to contemplate what God has called our congregation to be and how we're supposed to love the community around us and basically spend 40 days in prayer. It's the 40 days of Lent between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday to basically take an opportunity to sit back and relax and have God speak to us and and pray for our congregation, pray for his guidance, pray for where he's leading us. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to I want to go, we're going to kind of finish the whole um, leadership cycle. We're about halfway through this series. We're going to finish the leadership cycle with something that I hope is uh, beneficial to all of us, uh, particularly to me. <laughs> um I want to I want to go to I want to go to Philippians. This is Paul's letter to Philippi that he wrote <clears throat> while he was imprisoned in Rome. He was there probably for a t- about two years. He was under house arrest, and this was one of the churches that he planted on one of his journeys. And this was just a letter to Rome to encourage or uh, to Philippi to encourage them. And I just want to start reading in chapter two, verse one. So this is Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is, um, this is Paul's plea. This, by this time, most likely this is the, the end of, there's some debate as to whether or not Paul wrote this from Rome or other places, but I believe it was from Rome. I believe it was the end of his life, which had been the last two years of his life when he was imprisoned in a house arrest in Rome. Now, the house arrest would have allowed some a bit of flexibility. He would have had a guard making sure that he was not leaving the city, but he would have had some degree of freedom, actually. He would have been house arrest. He could have had visitors. He could have people come. He might even been able to leave his home and go other places, but but Paul, while he's in prison in Rome with this amount of flexibility, was able to continue to do the work of Christ. I mean, here he was in prison under house arrest in Rome, and he's still spreading the good news. He he talked to the prison guards. He discussed these things with people that came in. He was able to do an amazing amount of ministry, even though he was imprisoned in Rome. Talk about Talk about an amazing man. And why was he able to do that? It was be- part of it is because, I think, of this idea of humility. Here is Paul who had 
who had lived an incredible life. If you remember, he was a Jew of Jews, right? He was, he learned from the best when he was living in Jerusalem or uh, when he was in Tarsus, actually. He grew up in Tarsus. But he learned from the best of best. He was a student of Gamaliel. He, he was very, very credentialed. He was a Roman citizen. He was very well educated. And all of that meant nothing to Paul because in the service of the gospel, he was willing to kind of put all of that aside for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the call that Christ had called him to directly, which was to go around for the Gentiles and bring them into the fold and make, and make loving disciples of Gentiles. And that's what Paul did. Can you hear that? That's a train going by. <laughs> It's a very, very loud train this morning. I uh, maybe it's louder when I'm when I've got the window open, but it's uh, there. It goes. It's going by. The uh, Paul was Paul was willing to put all of that aside to share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to whoever he came across, and you can imagine being one of Paul's stature and one of his credentials that. In prison, even, he may have been angry, bitter, upset. Why is a person like me, with such an incredible history for the Christian church, why am I going through this situation? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? And yet, Paul put all that aside and said, instead, what can I do to serve the message of Jesus Christ in the, in the situation that I find myself in? And my goodness, if that's not a call to the Christian church today, a lot of Christians are like, why are we, why is God allowing this to happen to us? Why why are we going through this horrible year-long turmoil and being angry, upset, because we have to, oh my goodness, we have to do so much things differently, and we've got so many restrictions, and we've got people on both sides of the equation, some that say we should completely release the, you know, the the restrictions, other people saying we should have tighter restrictions and trying to walk that fine balance to keep people safe, but yet to try to do the work that God's called us to do. And yet with a little bit of humility, Christ has called us to just look at our situation and say, okay, this is the situation you find yourself in. How can you continue to do the work of Christ in this situation? I see this sometimes with churches that they uh, they start to to, to uh, get smaller and people leave and maybe it's just a core group of people and maybe they can't afford the pastor anymore and and so they say well we're no longer church because we can't we don't have a pastor or we you know we we're no longer effective because we're not doing things the way that Christ has called us you know previously to do and yet with a little humility. Any congregation could gather together and say, okay, here's the resources that we have. We've got these people, we've got this building, we've got this money. What can we do to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? It does not have to be what people traditionally think of what a church has done in the past or what even any congregation has done in the past. It could be what is God calling us to in the future? And that requires humility. Humility, I think, is probably the most underrated characteristic of a leader. Now, I must tell you in my own journey, in my own story, that, that I have not been very good with humility. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like the worst at humility. And and it's it's probably because part of it I know is because on the on the scale, there's this this thing we've talked about before. It's called the Enneagram. And in the Enneagram, it it uh, has nine personality types, and you identify kind of what your what your top personality type is. And mine is called the investigator. And the investigator personality type type is basically I I love to think about problems and think about problems and think about problems and kind of come up with solutions. And so f- when I when I come up with a solution, I've usually thought about it for a long, 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 long time. And so my at that point my my frustration or what what gets me a little bit angry perhaps is that when when people think oh you have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> or or have you thought about this thing you know have you thought this through and um, the fact is is usually by the time I get to the point where I'm ready to share it with anybody I I guarantee you I've thought it through so. I've usually investigated from every angle. My problem is, is that I assume then that it's, I, I've got two problems. One is that I assume that it still is the right solution, that that it's, um, that it's the way, you know, forward or any particular situation. But I am not perfect. Sometimes I can think and think and think and then make a decision. It's still the wrong decision. I am not a perfect person. I mean, I usually... I mean, that doesn't happen very often because of the fact that I am an investigator and I usually stick with the problem until I can figure it out. But, but even, um, even with that, I still, I still can make the wrong decision. The second thing is, and probably even the worst thing, is that because of that, I, of course, ex- uh, I shouldn't say of course, but I, God blessed me with the ability to exceed very well in education systems. And I was always at the top, you know, with the education system, thinking that I knew everything about everything. And, and probably the best way to describe that is that when I was in high school and college and beyond, I believed I was God's gift to mankind. <laughs> now, this may be you too, right? But um I, I lacked humility in a big way. I mean, I really lacked, I, and I still struggle with humility. It's not my strong suit. Um, and, and I still, uh, I go back and I tell people that if I had been a pastor, I think the reason why God closed all the pastoral doors to me when I was in my 20s was because if I had been a pastor with my personality, I would have probably destroyed <laughs> congregation, which, you know, maybe could be a good thing. Maybe it was a congregation that should be destroyed. I don't know. But I, a lack of humility can destroy things. Because what is humility? Humility is saying that I don't know everything, that it's not about me, that it's about the mission. It's about the vision. And if it's really about the mission and the vision, then I, as a person, need to be willing to adjust, to rethink, to to be open to what God is leading me to do and not 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 put my interests but ahead of the interests of what the mission is that that Christ has called me to. And that is a hard thing for me, but the older I get and the more Christ works in my life, the more I realize that it has to be less and less about me and more and more about him and his mission. And um, I think any church, any congregation 
that wants to move forward, this is the attitude that we must have. It has to be, it's not about us, Lord. It's not about my desires and my wills and, you know, the things that I want to do. But it really truly is about your will and your call, not only for my life, but for our congregation. Man, if a congregation really has that type of mindset, I really don't think there's anything that they can't accomplish. It may mean change. It may mean refocusing. It may mean sacrificing our own desires for the desire of the mission that God's called us to. But if a church truly is, if a congregation truly is focused around one thing and one thing only and humbly asks for God's wisdom and guidance to lead all of us in that mission, I think the church is unstoppable. I really do. I think the church is unstoppable. And I think churches that have that have been halted for a while are those churches that are so much focused on their own comfort and their own desires and their own um, kind of view of the world that, that they're not allowing God's wisdom and guidance and spirit to look at the world as it is and to humbly say, okay, Lord, this is, what we're, this is the hand that you've dealt us with. How do we move forward? Paul, in prison, could have so easily said, I can't plant churches anymore, so I'm done. I'm just going to sit here and be angry at God because he's not allowing me to move forward with what I've always been called to do. He Even on the road to Damascus, he told me to go plant churches. And I did, and I did, and I did, and now I'm stuck. I mean, I can't even follow the command that he, that he called me to do. And yet, he's surrounded by people who are part of the Roman government, part of the Roman Empire, part of people who have access to people who have influence and power. And instead, Paul said, all right, this is the hand that's dealt me. This is, this is who I am. I'm going, to, I'm going to humbly do the work that Christ has called me to do. I think one of the most challenging things about the church over the last 50 years is that we've seen so many different um, I guess I want to call them, you know, generations, but their their cultures really is what they are. It started with the '60s counterculture, right? And then we have the baby boomers, and then we have Gen X and Gen Z and millennials and Gen Y and all these different, you know, culture groups that view the world vastly different than I do. I'm kind of a late baby boomer, so I view the world as a baby boomer. And so I think like a baby boomer, I act like a baby boomer, I want church to attract baby boomers, and yet what Christ has called me, particularly in my humility, and he said, get some humility, David. It's not about you, and it's not about the church that you you know, enjoy sitting in. It's about the church that various people are going to connect to so that they can grow in their faith, so that they can grow to become loving disciples. Have a little bit of humility for my sake. Don't let it be all about you, but let it be about about the lost, the hurting, the sick, the weak, the people who, who really, really, really are disconnected from me and my message that if you can somehow figure out how to reach them and how to share my message with them, you'll, it will be an unstoppable message for them. So I have to stop and think and say, yes, Lord, I will be humble. I will be humble. I'll look to you for guidance. 
Um, it goes on in verse, verse 5 of Philippians 2. Paul writes, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I've read this verse. I've sung this verse. I've, I've been, you know, large orchestras that, that surround this verse. Um, and it, it, it only struck me this week, actually, when I was kind of putting together this, that if you just think about the humility that it took for God, who had all the power in the universe, all the, I mean, <laughs> and to become flesh and to walk among us and to put all of that aside for the sake of humanity, for the sake of us, that he put all the pride, all the incredible power that he had, and he became flesh, took on nothing, walked around this earth with nothing, and then went and was obedient to the death on the cross for our sake. But it, the, just the fact that he had all that power. And, and I think about a church. One of, the, one of the things that can happen in a church, right, is that there are people that are older, been there longer, um, have more internal authority in the church. And because of that, they want things to go, well, I should say I, because this is me, right? I want things to go my way. I'm the pastor. I should have all the authority, right? I should, you should do things my way. Besides, I'm a five, right? I'm an investigator, which means that I've thought about all this stuff and it should be what I want. Me, 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 me. No. Christ says, put all that away. Paul said, put all that away. Make it about the mission. Everything that we do as a church, it should be normalized or compared against or rubbed against the mission of the church. What has Christ called us to do? And it might be vastly different than the way we've done things in the past. It might be vastly different than the way we did things last year. I don't know. Because we have, we are in a new reset. We are in a completely new reset in our congregation. We haven't been meeting as a normal in, in normal ways for a long, long time. And this is a perfect, maybe a God-provided, ordained opportunity to just look at what the things that we do. Are they effective? Do they really, really move us towards the mission? If they do, great. Let's build on it. Let's continue to grow in it. If it doesn't, maybe we consider, you know, putting those resources elsewhere. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But in humility, I'm willing to ask God for his guidance to do that. You know, in the business world, in the world of outside of the church, everything is done by power and influence. People go and get specialized degrees for power and influence so that they can be at the top of the chain doing all the things that they need to. But the, the simple truth is, and you probably know this in the business world, but a lot of the things that the business world does does not require, like for example, I'll just give you my example, civil engineer. I went and got a degree, actually a couple degrees in civil engineering and you know, all of that stuff to, to be able to work my way into the top and leadership positions and all that. But as far as the education goes, a lot of the stuff as I did as a civil engineer, I, that math, that science, 
pretty much learned in high school and could do it with a high school degree easily, easily do it with a high school degree, even probably without a high school degree. It's not complicated. Civil engineering is not complicated math. Aspects of it are. I mean, I will, I will grant you that. You get into fluid dynamics and other stuff. Yes, it is. It is. But, but the way it's practiced in the world today, I could have easily done it as with a, with a civil engineering degree. I mean, with a with a high school degree. What? Why do I need so much advanced education? It was to prove to the world that I was worthy of being in a position, uh, maybe even just in a position of leadership. I don't know. But the vast majority of, and even in civil engineering firms today, you know, a vast majority of the work is not necessarily done by people who are managing the work. It's done by other people who are actually making the calculations and drawing up the drawings and all that sort of thing. And they, many of those people don't have advanced degrees. They're learning as they go. And um, the church is totally different. The church is filled with people who are advancing a cause and a mission which says that we as a church are humble and we're going to value every person that walks through our door and we're going to look at them as fellow fellow laborers, fellow slaves, fellow, um, fellow members of this thing called the church. And we're not going to lord our experience or our education or whatever over, over you. We're gonna, we, our goal is to help you grow in your faith. And so my goal is to help you grow in your faith. Your goal is to help me grow my faith and anybody who walks through the door to grow in their faith. That's our goal. And whatever, however we get there, that's what we're called to do. I have this vision of our church that, that people come on Sunday morning and they see just a beautiful, beautiful campus, right? That's warm and friendly and inviting and there are people standing out front greeting you. And there might even be other people out front that are giving you information. There might even be people out front that ask you questions about, hey, what is it you're, what is it you're looking for? And can we help you find that in this large organization we call Christ Lutheran Vale Church? Might even say, hey, let me go over and to, you know, get you a cup of coffee and we'll talk for a while. Where are you from? Oh, hey, I know somebody else. Why don't I introduce you to that person? And then just... You know, as opposed to a greeter, maybe it's just a host or a hostess that just kind of helps a person get comfortable with a congregation and, and, and project that warm feeling and get them connected to to where it is that they want, you know, that they want to get connected to. I think about, um, we assume that everybody that comes to our congregation on Sunday morning is here to worship, right? That we got to direct them to the sanctuary. But maybe they're not necessarily looking for that. A lot of people aren't necessarily looking for, they've never worshipped before. They don't even know that they want to worship. Maybe they're just looking for a conversation and a friendly face. Maybe you, maybe you sit down at a table and you have a cup of coffee and, you know, I'm, I'm here to worship. That's why I'm here. I got to get my worship in. Um, uh, I, would, I would definitely, that would be something that I would say for sure because I love, 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 love worship. I love all styles of worship. I love traditional worship. I love contemporary worship. I love anything that looks, feels, breathes, smells like, smells like worship. So would I be willing to say, you know, today this person seems like they really just want to have a cup of coffee and talk. I think I'll just sit out here in the foyer or whatever and I'm going to, I'm just going to see what's going on in their life and see what they're, where they are in their life. If they don't mention worship, as the reason they're here, maybe I 
I bypassed this this morning. I just have a conversation with them and find out who they are. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just winging it here, but maybe, um, maybe that day church looks a whole lot different than what we normally think about. And that requires humility, right? Um, but if they do want to go to worship, they find meaningful, spiritual, God-filled, spirit-filled, um, creative, uplifting, if they're looking for uplifting, um, uh, impactful worship in their life. You know, I, um, we're going to actually spend some time on worship, I think, in this 40 days if we get to it. Because I think that worship is so important. And um, I've thought about it <laughs> a lot. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and then and then that person would, um, you know, it's like, hey, let's get you into your next step. It is snowing right now. Let's get you into the next step. Let's find out where you can connect with our congregation. We have lots of service opportunities. Is that something that you really speaks to your heart? Let me tell you about our next service event. We're going to be packing food in, in uh, you know, in a month or two. And so if you'd like to, you know, that's a great event. I think you might enjoy it. Here, let me show you how you can sign up for that. Or um, what, what what are you struggling with? Do you need somebody to talk to? Um, you know, let's let's figure that out too. I mean, it's communication. It's, it's um, really getting to know people on a different level when they walk in and um, helping, helping meet them where they are. Um, if they're looking for discipling opportunities, let's 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 get you involved in some you know in areas that are. Have you ever have you ever been in a Bible study before? Well, great. Let's let's get you in one. Have you ever led a Bible study before? Wow, maybe that's something that you could do for us. Maybe we could get you activated, motivated uh, to do a small group. Um, you know, how do we get you to that point where you can do that? But the whole point is so you can continue to grow in your faith, and then and then basically. Um, help them get connected in whatever way that they can get connected. Now, we've, we've done these types of things over the last 15 years as a congregation. I mean, first of all, I mean, our welcome is stellar. I mean, that's, that's no question. But, but um, we, I think on Sunday morning, we, we have to really, really relook at not only the welcome portion, but the hospitality and the host portion. And like, does the campus feel warm and inviting? Do we have people that came on Saturday to really prep it up and make it look that when you come in on Sunday morning and you see our campus and you see our warm, friendly faces, that you just get this feeling like a, a snowstorm because <laughs> it's snowing right now <laughs> that just gives you warm fuzzies all over. And, and man, man, I really felt connected to that congregation. I remember, I'll give you this story, um, went to, as seminary students, and I don't know why this was, but Jennifer and I went to a Midwestern congregation and they were not friendly at all. Very small congregation, very, very unfriendly. Nobody talked to us, nobody chatted with us. Um, we sat down and uh, the usher was kind enough to show us where we could sit and so we weren't sitting in somebody else's place. Um, and um, it was, it didn't, it didn't feel like the early church. The early church gathered together every day in the temple courts and gathered in each other's homes and were warm and friendly and opened up and, and had a lot of joy. And this did not feel that way. And I'm sure there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of those kinds of churches all throughout the world, at least in the United States. And those are churches that have lost the idea that it's not about 
what they do on Sunday morning, but about what the mission is that God's called them to. So anyway, I, uh, I think we'll end it there. Um, we have a whole bunch of new topics next week, but uh, let's go ahead and pray for today. Gracious God, thank you for gathering us together on this beautiful day to, to hear your word. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to realize it's not about you, but it's what you've called, or it's not about me, but it's about you and the life that you've called us to. Lord, fill us with more of you and less of me because of Jesus and his humility. In his name we pray.